there is no innovation without it. Like you, we, we need to emphasize that this is a natural part of the process and switching over to that growth mindset that this is an opportunity for growth and learning. We we're going to fail at an idea 99 times before we get it right the hundredth time. But one thing I also communicate as well is failure means trying something and learning from it. If you're not learning from it, you're not failing forward. This is the Leadership 480 Podcast. Hi, leaders, and welcome back to the Leadership 480 Podcast. I'm your host, Beth Alms, and today we have a somewhat elusive topic to discuss, how leaders drive innovation. Now, this is one of those things that where great intentions often don't meet action. A lot of leaders say they want their team to be more innovative, but they don't actually do it. Maybe it's because leaders don't have the time to try something new, or they're scared to take the risk, or any other number of reasons, but the benefits are so strong when you do it right. So here with us today to help leaders overcome all those barriers to innovation is our very own Danny Gandara. Danny has a PhD in industrial organizational psychology and is the senior product innovation manager here at DDI, where he leads all of our innovation efforts to advance our products and technologies at every level. Danny, welcome to the Leadership 480 podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Beth. I'm quite delighted to be here. So I'm curious overall, just what got you started in innovation? So as an industrial organizational psychologist, You've really, you know, spent a lot of your time on the science of leadership, not always known for innovation. So how did you get into this space of innovation? Uh, interesting path that led me here. Um, back when I was finishing out my PhD, I was also teaching a uh, somewhat of a consulting, somewhat of a capstone type course with our senior and junior students at my university. Uh, it's the Inter Interprofessional Project Program at uh, Illinois Tech. And I was brought on to teach and even help with the assessment of leadership skills, uh, teamwork, all the IO pieces, communication, the aspects that support the team's functioning. I was partnered with someone from the Institute of Design where they taught the process, the project, yeah. the innovation side of it. And the first semester that I picked it up and was teaching alongside with them, I found love. I was like, oh my God, I, I, this is amazing. These two go so well together, hand in hand. Mm -hmm. And over time it went to start leading my own project teams and then teams of project teams and really starting to embrace all of the philosophy and innovation and design. That's fascinating. And I'm really curious because there are jobs like yours where it feels like innovation is, is wholly what someone is focused on. But for so many leaders, it's an open question of how much does innovation really come into their into their job so i'm thinking you know if you work in if you're a if you work in healthcare and you're and you lead a nursing team or if you work in um manufacturing a lot of people might say innovation isn't really part of my job as a leader so how do you interpret that do you think that that's a skill set relevant to all leaders or more so some than others i think it very much depends on the type of role but I would also argue that innovation is never zero in any role. <laughs> right. Everyone is required to innovate to some degree. It's all about understanding a problem and 
putting a solution to it. So not just creating new products or new services, but also advancing processes. So even in healthcare, we see a lot of innovation in healthcare. We also see a lot of innovation in healthcare leadership as well. New ways of being able to communicate with one another. Um, I love some of the work that I did in the past with uh, surgical teams where bringing in some communication practices within the operating room helps save people's lives. So even though it's something just contained within that area has significant outcomes, you may call it small, you may call it big, but I think the impact is really real. That's fascinating. So, and I would tell you like, that's a place where I would say, um, while you think of like major scientific innovations, when you think of in the operating room, like you're just talking about, that seems to me like a place where you're like, listen, this is no place to try something new. Like we keep this down to a process, but you actually found that they were able to innovate that process, like how they were going about it and change absolutely. that. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's like some, something that could be as simple as like even nonverbal communication, uh -huh. Use a marker and make sure you're marking the right area that's going to be operated on so you can decrease errors in the operating room. That's fascinating. So one of the things I often think of, too, with like some of those um, innovations, they can seem like, you know, some things might be very much an immediate thing. I'm going to use a marker. I'm going to check this off. Um, and then there are things that might be longer term that we all say like, well, we really want, we, and we always find ourselves, we haven't innovated enough, but I've seen a lot of leaders get really anxious when it comes to the long term, because it's like, if I can't see the benefit of this today, I can't imagine doing it. So how do you think leaders should think differently about innovation and kind of have the patience for the process? There's a couple of things that I can think of offhand. Um, innovation is iterative by nature. So we mm -hmm. want to see, th whether it's short-term or long-term, it's understanding that you're starting with a, just a dent, just a small piece of the process, trying out a small experiment, which would also be the other piece of it as well, embracing and creating a culture of experimentation. What would happen if we tried something this way instead of that way? Sometimes the impact might be immediate. Sometimes it's not, but it's about adopting that mindset, shifting towards an experiment process in order to see that long-term success. So we start something small. Okay, now let's mm -hmm. scale this out a little bit bigger. Okay, now let's scale this out a little bit bigger. Identifying all the issues, the roadblocks that come along the way it's easier to identify them when it's just a small piece and remove right. those up front rather than you build everything out, launch it at the end, and then identify all the things that are going wrong with it, putting out tons of fires. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense when you think about how risky it is when you aren't getting that feedback along the way or you're and instead taking those small steps um, really reduces that risk sense. I'm curious, as you've looked at how leadership behaviors affect innovation? Are there things you have seen over time that you say, I've watched leaders do this and it just kills innovation on their team? Oh, Give me yeah. your whole list. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've got tons here. Um, for one, I would say innovation breeds and requires creativity. 
And one of the killers here is assuming that creativity is a fixed trait, that it's either something you have or you don't have, not acknowledging that it's actually a skill. It's something that could be developed. I thought I wasn't a creative person at all until I stumbled upon this process. And I was like, oh, actually, there's lots of ways for me to be creative. Um, Part of it could also be in how you give feedback. So being overly critical rather than being Mm. curious shooting down ideas rather than embracing the possibility. Um, Focusing on perfect is another one. Like I see a lot of leaders who are like, it's got to be perfect. It's got to be every I's dotted, T's crossed. And if it's not perfect, then we can't put this out to the world rather than embracing that. What's the minimum viable service product experiment that we need to really be able to test our assumption with to see if this does have an appetite being able to pivot from that. Um, And also thinking that a solution or your solution or idea is the solution or idea. It's the one that's going to fix everything. I often see that a lot that like kills innovation, just like, well, this is it. This is, I'm only, this is going to be the hill that I'm going to die on. It's my idea or no idea. That can be really hard for leaders to adjust from. And I, I guess I would say I often think leaders don't even realize maybe they're doing that. Like you don't necessarily set out to do that on purpose, say it's my way or the highway. A few leaders do that, but very few. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it's really hard to shift your mindset away from what you were envisioning to to understand someone else's ideas. So how do you suggest leaders start to shift that mindset or create the environment of like stopping to recognize others' ideas before they're, even when it doesn't match with what they were thinking. That's where adopting curiosity really is helpful, not just for yourself, but also for uh, those that you're leading, your team members. I see leaders often get stuck in a process because it works. It's worked Mm -hmm. so many times. It gets us the results that we want. We know it's comfortable It's comfortable Mm -hmm. to embrace this process. We've done it so many times. We know what's going to come out of it. But then we find that something in the environment changes. And now that process no longer really works anymore. So we start to question. We start to get curious about it. Or even if everything is fine or normal, we, we really ought to question, why do we do certain things? Why does this step come before this step? Why do we go through all this list. Like there's a reason why things are in place, for example. And what, by again, adopting that curiosity mindset of like what led to this being the way that we do things and opening up to the possibility that there might be other ways. We bring in our whole selves. We bring in our experiences. Okay, well, this is Mm -hmm. how I've tackled this in the past, or this is how I've seen others tackle the same issue in the past. And being open to, okay, let's try something different. Test it out. See if it works. The curiosity mindset, I find that really fascinating. So um, the idea of taking that moment away from your first reaction, away from saying, like you saw something, you're like, I don't know what this is. I don't know where this come from. And flipping around to asking a question instead is such a powerful tool. Um, I imagine you've seen leaders do this really successfully. And I'm I'm curious of, of 
how you've seen leaders apply curiosity successfully, as well as maybe some of the other behaviors that you see that they show or be or things that they do that really build um, innovation and curiosity on their teams. So what I tend to see besides like straightforward asking a question, it could be as simple as just tell me more. Mm-hmm. An associate tells you something they're having, a f- they're frustrated, for example, at a way a project is going forth. And, oh, it would be great if I could do this instead, or if we could approach it from this angle, or I need this data in order to be able to really be able to move forward. Okay, tell me more. Why do you think that way? What would help dig into that? Why? Why, why would that help you out? Mm-hmm start to understand more of that and really asking that why and encouraging your team members to ask that why really helps flex that curiosity muscle versus yeah the one that I see on the opposite side is well this is just the way we've always done it yeah and it's hard sometimes i think when you see something unexpected like especially when you see innovation that you're like well that came out of complete left field i wasn't prepared for it I love the idea of tell me why or sometimes using phrases like um, help me see or help me see the connection mm-hmm. or what might happen. Like it can really it's fascinating how it can change your own approach to those things. Um, and one of the things I, I've often found, too, that where leaders tend to kill innovation is that they get super scared about failure and they're they're probably not wrong about that, right? Like <laughs> it's it's real, the risk that they're facing. But as the leader of the team, how do you start to get comfortable with that potential of failure and lead people through that in a way that like it feels like you're driving towards something good instead of you might have some failures that come your way? Oh, embracing the fear of failure. That's that was a regular lesson that I've had to teach. <laughs> um, I would say start with setting the right expectations, especially as you're engaging in a new idea, in a new innovation. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that is communicating that failure is not only going to be expected, but should be pursued in the spirit of innovation. Like we, That's hard. <laughs> we want to. Yeah, it is hard. It is very hard. But there is no innovation without it. Like you, we, we need to emphasize that this is a natural part of the process. And switching over to that growth mindset, that this is an opportunity for growth and learning. We, we're going to fail at an idea 99 times before we get it right the 100th time. But one thing I also communicate as well is failure means trying something and learning from it. If you're not learning from it, you're not failing forward. It mm-hmm. doesn't mean don't do anything. You know, we don't fail because we failed to act. We failed because we didn't learn something along the way. There's good failure. We want that good failure that lets you embrace learning and okay. So what needs to change the next time that feeds into that iterative approach? What needs to change in order to make that successful? Okay. Try something different. Um, that setting that expectation up front and also celebrating that celebrate the failures. Yeah. Celebrate those learnings. Like, hey, we learned something. We know how to not do that again, or we know that that didn't work, so we're going to try something different. Like, it needs to be, it's effort, it's creativity. It needs to be applauded. And it helps teach that resilience of like, this is, setbacks are going to happen. 
Failure is going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's okay. It breaks down that image of perfection that we need everything to be perfect. It's like, okay, no, great. So uh, I remember one of my leaders saying like, so how did you fail this week? What wow. Did you try? Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's such, that's we adopted so rare. That. that is so rare. I think to see that I, what I've seen much more commonly um, just, you know, not even just from my own experience, but from friends, relatives, others that like a lot of times leaders will say like, they love the idea of failing forward. Like I'm totally on board. Sounds great. And the first sign of failure, they shut it all down. They get mm-hmm. too anxious, too nervous. So how do you advise leaders to kind of develop that fortitude through failure? Um, you know, so when you're watching a project start to happen and you're, you might start to get some negative feedback or you might start to get some things that stand in your way, how do they know when to call it quits and when to say that's a setback or that's a learning and we're going to keep moving forward? That's a really great question. I like to start with the end in mind. So if mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to test something, I'm going to try something out. But before I do, what do I expect to happen? It is an experiment. We're talking about embracing a culture of experimentation. So what does this experiment look like? If I implement this new change to a process, if I build something, even a sketch of an idea that I want to implement and start getting some feedback, what is it that I'm expecting to get back? Positive, negative feedback? Okay. I'm going to put this idea in front of five people. And if four of them say it's bad, that's going to be my signal to, to quit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to focus that feedback on a specific aspect. Like I'm thinking about this idea to solve problem X. So we're focusing on how this innovation is going to help us out and demonstrating that value. And if after that, we're still hearing, you know, four out of five said that this isn't going to work. But it's also about embracing, okay, well, what would make it work? So maybe part of it is like, we stop that altogether. But it could also be that this isn't the right design. Maybe we need Mm -hmm. to iterate on it and try something a little bit different. So with thinking about the end in mind, what is your stop signal? Have that up front to say, this is when I will go ahead and cut it off versus this is when I know that we're in the right direction versus we need a redesign and try again. Yeah, it seems like a focus on the problem itself of is this a problem worth solving? Um, And to some and in some cases, um, it is truly a problem worth solving. Maybe it's something you're experiencing every day that's a pain point for people. But in other cases with innovation, um, it's really a matter of just doing things the safe way or trying for better. And that's so challenging to um, stay focused on like the potential of of what you could get out of this. And one of the things that I always comes to my mind is um, how much you have support from others in your organization. So if you're pursuing something and there might be some trips and some failures along the way, if, if you're kind of the lone voice saying we need to do this, like after a point, people are going to be like, hey, just stop. But if it's a problem worth solving or um, 
something you really feel passionately about. How do you work with leaders um, or advise them as far as getting stakeholders on board, helping to make sure that they've got the support and other people along the way who are um, in jointly in effort to solve that problem and aren't just saying, well, you failed, we're done. That's absolutely fair. I would say you're hitting it right where you're talking about the problem rather than the idea or the solution. And it's about having that conversation with those stakeholders about the problem, validate that the problem is indeed a problem worth solving with them before you even go into any idea or how we can fix this problem. Do they recognize that it's a problem? Get them to talk about it and get them to focus on how it affects them and their teams or their part of it, what value they might be able to derive from it. But it goes more into that curiosity mode of understanding their stake in the problem space of it. So I also like to interview when I'm talking to stakeholders. Yeah. It's uh-huh. I'm asking more questions. So I may focus the conversation on like, here's the problem that I want to solve that I think needs to be addressed. But I also want to get their perspective on it. Like, what do you think about this problem? Is this a problem for you? Is this a problem? How have you seen members of your team experience this problem? And once they really go into that, then they're more likely to buy into whatever idea, whatever solution, or whatever you may be proposing. I love that idea of getting the getting their interviews on the problem space before you even launch into your solution or, or whatever that may be. Um, it feels like in many ways, so, so in marketing, you know, we have a term of demand generation and it feels like even internally in your organization, you're almost creating a demand for the solution that you're saying, isn't this a problem until they're at the point like, yeah, it is a problem. And now I can't rest until it's solved. <laughs> However, we end up solving it. I just can't live with it this way. I believe we call that product market fit. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. So I'm, um, I'm wondering too, that like, you know, as the lead, like there, it's one thing to be a person driving innovation and maybe that's your job in some way, but it's also another thing to be the leader of a team and guiding other people through the innovation process. So, um, are there things that leaders can do to really coach their team differently with an innovation mindset um, or or help to support their team uh, as they're pursuing innovative projects? So how, as a leader, how you might coach a team yeah. through an innovation? Um, I would say start with, providing autonomy and ownership. And that can mm. feel very scary for leaders right. at times, especially when they want to see like, we have metrics that we need to maintain. We have, you know, a, it might be like a service level agreement that must be maintained at all times. We have goals that we need to hit. We can't deviate from those. Um, and so they may have a tendency to withdraw ownership, whereas innovation mm-hmm. begs the opposite. We need leaders to foster autonomy and ownership of ideas of the problem of these areas and coaching through validation and reducing risk. Like 
part of that, you know, go talk to the stakeholders and validate that your problem is a problem. Mm-hmm. How you might mm-hmm. do that and reducing risk along the way, because uncertainty is just the opposite of risk management that we've got here. Like we, you want to, the, the more you know, the less risk there's involved. So when everything is very ambiguous, start with a little step by getting some feedback, coach how to get that feedback. There's tons of innovation processes out there. As a, for leaders, I would say, pick one. <laughs> uh, there's Double Diamonds. That one's one of my favorite. Human-centered design. That's one that I lean to. Um, there's various innovation processes out there and several mm. wonderful resources that talk you through. But they all essentially say similar things. Be user-centric. Fall in love with the problem. Understand that space very well. Under explore the solution. How many different ideas can you come up with that can answer that? Which ones are the ones that are most reasonable to pursue? Which ones are really going to hit most of the problem well enough? And for a leader, it's coaching through that process. One thing we like to say in the design space is that you can start, it's iterative, it's flexible. You don't have to start at the beginning and work your way through. You can start anywhere, go backwards, yeah. go forward. You can start with the solution, go back to the problem. You can start with a problem, understand the solution. As a leader, you identify where somebody might be in that process and coach them where it might make the most sense for them to go next. Are they coming to you with an idea? Great. How do you understand that this is the idea to solve the problem? Have they put thought into the problem? They've come to you with a big problem. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, that's really interesting. Your your thoughts here on on applying a, a more solid structure to the innovation process. And again, even for those who are not in like innovation heavy job, like your job is not, you know, product innovation like yours is, but for those mm-hmm. who might have innovation as a, as a small part of what they are doing, um, how important do you think that structure is? Because what I've commonly seen is, is kind of leaders say, you know, even in even in the best cases, you know, where they're not sh- trying to squash innovation, but somebody comes to them with an idea and they say, cool, great, go pursue it. And like, that's the last you hear of it. So mm. how do you maybe apply a, a little bit more structure to that process, especially if it's more foreign to what you're used to doing? Um, do you have recommended ways that people start to actually go and do that or books they read, whatever? So yeah, tons of resources that you can help and provide in order to guide them. But some concrete actions I really like that leaders can employ. Uh, one is, which we tell all good leaders to do, is that's set clear goals and priorities. So mm-hmm. you're going to foster this project of innovation for one of your team members. Cool. What Help them in identifying what their goals and their priorities are for that. And with that, establish some regular check-ins. Okay, in order so that it doesn't fall on the wayside on a weekly basis or every other week basis on your check-ins, talk about that in your one-on-ones. Talk about it. Like, how how did you fail this week? What did you try out in order to to push this idea forward? What did you learn? What feedback did you get? And where are you going as a result of it? Um, Also, 
I mean, we we live in an agile world now, so mm-hmm. implementing some agile methodologies where you're constantly iterating. So what's the smallest idea that you can test? Because especially if you're new to this, you want to try to get to a quick win. The quick win not being that your idea is successful. The quick win is that you've tested your idea. You've tested mm-hmm. your process. So what's the fastest way that you can test an assumption that's behind your idea that helps drive it forward? And how can you help keep that accountability for your team members to be able to say, okay, you know, go pursue it. In a week, let's talk about what you learned. Let's talk about whether your assumption had ground or not, which also goes into um, another concrete practice, time blocking. Giving dedicated time, I think maybe 10%, you know, in a 40-hour work week, that's four hours, an hour a day pretty much, where they can focus on just driving this forward. And that feels very, um, I think, motivating for a lot of employees or who are excited about it. I love the laser focus on on goals. What are we trying to accomplish? And it seems simplistic in all honesty, but I would say in practice, it's one of the things that can so often um, kind of get off track. And and maybe that's from me. I work with a lot of really creative people and um, there's no shortage of ideas of always, wouldn't it be cool if... Um, but I love your focus on like focusing on those goals of like, okay, and if we did that, what might we expect or what might the result be? And it may or may not be that, but keeping that focus on, okay, we're going to rebrand this. We're going to try something different, but what's the eventual goal of that? What do we think will happen and how could we test that um, is such valuable advice. Um, so I do want to ask a question that as we um, wrap up our, our focus on innovation that I ask. It's a question I ask all of our guests on the show. Can you share with me a moment of leadership, innovative or not, that really changed your life? So something that might have made you say, um, either for good or for bad, I, I want to lead more like this, or gosh, I'd never want to be that kind of leader. Uh, just a moment of leadership that changed you. I... W- would de- it, empathy really is what comes to mind here. I'm mm, thinking okay. about a leader who was very new towards the innovation process. Their team members came with several ideas. The long and short of it was that two of these um, team members couldn't see eye to eye on an idea. What was ironic in the situation was that they actually had the same idea. They were just communicating it very different, differently. It was the same concept. Um, that leader really had to take a step back and hear each person's point of view and get it, get them to open it up. There was a lot of emotion involved. I will say that there were yeah. tears. There were people fall in love with their ideas. It's so hard to get that. Like we tell them, don't fall in love with your idea, but it's hard to live that. And these two were so passionate about their idea that like there were tears, they were crying, they were going back and forth. And this leader handled it so well to be able to give them the space to feel heard, to move Mm -hmm. past the prior conflicts that they had had, to both be able to put their thoughts and ideas out on the table. This leader reframed what they were trying to say. It's like, so it sounds like what y'all are saying is this is the way we need to move forward. 
yes, exactly. That is it. <laughs> they both nodded at the same time. Yeah. And that was very powerful. So like ha- being a good leader and leading with empathy gave those two individuals the psychological safety that they needed in order to be able to completely let their guard down, to completely let the walls down, be emotional and move towards a better outcome. That story is um, is really quite moving, and I, I think it brings to the forefront the the fact that when it comes to innovation and ideas, the passion people feel around this and how like it can ch- dramatically change the way they view their work because it's these ideas it's it's like they're 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 babies, they're children and and it's risky to put them out there. And so you feel personally you feel so personally involved and um if someone doesn't like your idea, you might feel personally attacked and, and just really terrible. But I love that story about how a leader can change that entire feeling around how they're approaching their work. What a great story. Thank you for sharing. Thank you so much. All right. Well, Danny, thank you so much for being here today on the Leadership 480 podcast. And thank you to our listeners who took part of their 480 minutes to be with us today. And remember to make every moment of leadership count.